I'm Shay Fontana, writer of DC Superhero Girls, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Hey, hey, people of Earth, it's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use the voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan, that is Mr. Horsley, and today on the show, well, it's Shay Fontana, isn't it? It is, and she's the, if you don't know who she is, she uh, is a writer, uh, she's written for cartoons and comics, and <laughs> she was the person who spearheaded the DC Superhero Girls comics and, and the cartoon show as well. Very and cool. And she was a lot of fun to talk to. That's awesome. And... A little extra treat. We got some some uh, new interviewers on to, on today's episode. Yeah, I got some fresh meat. Uh, Sadie and Tegan, my two daughters. Also, they host their own podcast, uh, the Super Awesome Sister Show podcast. And it's the first time they've ever actually interviewed someone, and they were super nervous, but they had a lot of fun with Shay. She was she was a good person to talk to. That's funny. Yes, they have a they have their own podcast that comes out on a very stringent <laughs> schedule. It's whatever Sadie gets around to editing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. So people know Johnny makes them do the recording and he makes them do their own editing. Yep. He doesn't let they do them their own set up and tear down everything. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Well, let's get into this. back everybody we are joined today with the writer and the developer of the dc superhero girls shorts wrote three of the feature films for it wrote one of tegan's favorite shows when she was growing up dr mcstuffins a couple of episodes of that one shay fontana how are you doing today i'm doing great thanks so much for having me yeah we're, we're excited to have you on because i have i have two daughters who have grown up watching a lot of the shows you've worked on and they're they've when the dc superhero girls came out in the, the toy format the first time uh, they went kind of crazy over them and we had to buy all the dolls for them, and then we bought the books when they came out, and they watched the shows when they came out, and then it was. It was. I told them when I said, "Hey, we've uh, we've got somebody coming on the show that uh, you know their work," and they're like, "Who's this?" <laughs> they were super excited. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into their questions, I just kind of want to ask you a few. How did you get into writing uh, writing kids animation and books? 
well, I always wanted to be a writer ever since I was about seven years old. As far as I can remember, I really just loved the process of writing. That was, you know, reading and writing was my hobby when I was a kid. Right. Um, so I started off in school. I thought maybe I would be a journalist because that seemed like a good way to be a writer. Um, and it was the only sort of actual writing I had ever seen any adults in my actual life <laughs> kind of had as a job. Um, it never really occurred to me that you could be a writer for animation or <laughs> TV. Um, and then at some point in about my sophomore year, I would be going to my journalism classes and coming home at night and watching a lot of SpongeBob. And then I realized, hey, maybe I could write this instead. Um, I think just from a kind of sensibility uh, place, I'm really much more suited for the animation world. I'm pretty silly. I enjoy things that are more uh, lighthearted and hopeful and positive. Um, so I got into animation from there. Um, during college, I had interned at the Jim Henson Company and worked oh, nice. on some of their stuff in the early 2000s and uh, just started in animation and kids entertainment and never looked back. That's that's cool. That's really cool. Right? Yeah, it's... I. Uh... I'm an artist myself. I started drawing. I, I can't look back. And I mean, I look at it now and I'm like, man, I can never, I could, I don't draw professionally. I draw for fun, but I can't imagine never not drawing, you know, it's, right. uh, it's a passion yeah, absolutely. that, that is cool. So what was your, um, what was your first foray into, into animation? What was the first thing you worked on? Um, the first thing I wrote was for a show called Sushi Pack, which was about five pieces of sushi that are hit with a <laughs> bolt of radioactive energy and come to life and become superheroes. And that was on CBS Saturday morning in 2008, I think. But I had actually, I started as an assistant, uh, as many people do. And I had worked on the production side of a couple animated series. Um, there was a show called Tuttenstein, which was about Tut, King Tut wakes up um, in, in current times and still thinks he's the ruler of the world. Um, <laughs> and there was a show called JJ the Jet Plane that was on PBS at the time that I had worked on. So those were some of the, oh. the shows that I had worked on from a production assistant sort of side. And then I kind of made my way into the writing side, which was what I really wanted to do. But it turns out that no one will just hire you as a writer when you've never had any sort of animation <laughs> or writing experience before. So I was very lucky to get in there and, you know, start with a Sushi Pack, which was a super selling show. Um, <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> I'm not even sure if you can find it anywhere, or if it's been totally erased from history, but it was a fun show to you know, kind of start out on. That sounds cool. I mean, any, any, any story where it's just ridiculously fun like that, I'm, I'm, I'm all down for whether it's for kids or for adults. I, I, I love it all. I'm a big, Dis our family's a big Disney family. Um, we watch oh, all absolutely. the Disney films ever. <laughs> so we're all about kids shows and shows about just imagination and, and having fun. So DC superhero girls, you developed that, that series of shorts, the shows and uh, wrote a ton of them. How did, how did you get involved in that project? So actually, one of the um, I, it's just one of those sort of very kind of common Hollywood stories as someone had read one of my scripts um, and I got sort of a call completely out of the blue from an executive at Mattel. Uh, DC Superhero Girls was actually a co-production between uh, DC, Mattel and Warner Brothers. So it was like the entire 
brand, the whole world <laughs> kind of transmedia overview that they were really thinking of. And I got this call from someone at Mattel and they would not tell me what they wanted to meet about, but they said they had read something that they enjoyed of mine and wanted to talk about a new project they were taking on. Um, and so they had sent me the calendar invite for the meeting and I saw <laughs> someone from DC was on the, the invite and I was like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's very like, it's the, the, sometimes the kids business, especially the toy business can be like, so everything's so super confidential because right. no one wants anyone to get their ideas. Um, so I, I walked into the meeting and I thought that maybe they were doing something with Wonder Woman. Um, so I was kind of ready to pitch a little bit about Wonder Woman and how much I loved Wonder Woman. Um, and they said, so if you like had access to all of the girls in the DC universe, what would you do with that? And uh, so I pitched from there and <laughs> they liked my take on it. They did know um, starting out, they like it was pretty it was mostly a blank slate they knew they wanted it to take place in a high school like the um, they had had some success with like monster high and ever after high yeah um so they were kind of going with that formula for this property as well and they knew kind of the characters that they wanted obviously wonder woman supergirl that girl are the main trifecta of the of the girls universe um and then we had added some more characters, but it really was just like a big, wide open sandbox of what would you do here and how do you want to look at this show and these, this, it really was. And it was like looking at as a kind of overall property. It wasn't just, you know, the shorts or the movies or the toys. It was really kind of taking this entire thing and what, you know, what is the most fun that you can have with this in every medium. That's like the dream um, for a, so, for a fan of those or somebody who loves those characters. That is like the dream as a writer just to get be given an open sandbox yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was so amazing and such an incredible way to you know get to know the DC universe in a way I hadn't before. I was definitely I was a fan of DC, mm -hmm. but I did not know like all the nitty gritty. Like I'm I. Going into it, I didn't know who Bumblebee was. Uh, right. So she was a new character uh, for me to be introduced to. And she actually goes back to like the late 70s yep. uh, in Teen Titans. And it's really interesting to kind of get into these characters that, you know, had kind of laid dormant for a little while in right. some ways and be able to, you know, just find those characters, find those kind of areas of the DC world that I really wanted to play with and amplify for this new generation. That's cool. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised when they brought Bumblebee back because I knew of her a little bit from when I was a kid. My dad got to comic books and I read comics in the 80s and 90s as a kid. And she was really not really around very often. So, but I, I was familiar with her character. But then when they made the toy out of her and they brought her into the stuff, I was, I was like, oh, they're bringing Bumblebee back. That's really cool because they like you said, they, they, you have this sandbox and you guys brought back a lot of, and but to forefront, a lot of these cool female characters that, you know, weren't really in the forefront before and, and other things, which is nice. Yeah, it was really fun to really see the history of DC. And actually, um, last year, I, I had a book called DC Women of Action come out that was basically based on a lot of the research that I did for DC Superhero Girls. It was a history of the both the female characters and the female creators of DC, them 
as a nonfiction book. So we go into a lot of the profiles of the main characters. And it's really just, it was really amazing to see how DC from the beginning was really in a lot of ways cutting edge about how, what their portrayals of women were like Lois Lane was such a go-getter. Like she was a, a woman with a job. She was single. She was like this really dynamic character, just this really inhabited sort of like the Rosie, the Riveter mentality when she was introduced um, in the yeah. late thirties, uh, early forties. So it's, it's interesting to see how DC has this incredible history of showing these female characters and bringing these really powerful women to the forefront. It is cool. Cause you brought Lois Lane. I mean, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, that comic series, even though it was pitched as Superman's girlfriend, it was still, she was the lead of her own comic series, 1958, where she had a run of like 180 some issues as the lead of her own comic series. Yeah, and that was the the third best-selling comic in the U.S. at the time. So yeah. it wasn't like, I mean, <laughs> I have, I certainly have issues with the title. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> I'm for not sure. Gonna, I'm not going to defend that. <laughs> but um, but it, was, it is really, you know, incredible to look back on that time yeah. and see <clears throat> how popular Lois Lane was and how you know, she was just a huge part of the zeitgeist. And obviously, yeah. uh, both men and women were buying that comic book and loved her as a character. Yeah. And although not all of her storylines were super great during that. There's some problematic time, ones for sure. A lot of like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of, oh, I, I just want to get married and that's all I want to do with my life. Um, but, you know, then in the early 70s, she kind of swung back and became a, a real feminist in that title. And, yeah far as it lasted into the 70s so that was yeah it's just really cool to be able to because of dc superhero girls i learned all that stuff and got into the history of dc and it's really fun to see how how impactful they've been throughout their years publishing of female characters yeah yeah for sure that's a fun series too like i mean there's a lot of problematic stories in that series of lois lane um especially in the early issues that are just like you said, you know, I need to get married or I'm only a, a tool of Superman or whatever, but there's a lot of really good stuff in the later issues of that one. My, uh, T- or Sadie and Tegan both actually have an almost, well, Sadie has a complete collection of that series and Tegan has an almost complete collection. Oh, wow. Yeah. My dad, before he passed away, he was building comic book collections for the, all, all of the grandkids as like a, um, as their college fund. So he built Lois Lane for the girls and Jimmy Olsen for my son and, Superboy for my nephew. It's, it's kind of cool. So she has a number one through like 180, whatever the last issue is, which is pretty cool. That's amazing. What a great legacy. Yeah. So she has those and they're, they're for college, but I don't think she's ever going to sell them because she likes them too much. <laughs> <laughs> so Sadie, I know you had some questions. Do you have any questions you want to ask? Well, one of the questions I wanted to ask was, what was uh, your favorite show or movie that you've worked on? Ooh, that's a good question. They, I, you know, I love them all because they're my babies. So it's, it's hard to pick one as my favorite, but I did really, DC Superhero Girls was such a career highlight for me, not only because of the content that I got to bring out into the world, but because of that show, I get to talk to people like you and meet people at comic cons and meet a bunch of kids who have read the comics and seen the shorts. And it's just been so great to connect with the fans in a way that I haven't gotten to do on a lot of the other things that I worked on. Why did you do uh, kids shows and cartoons? I think I just like things that make me happy. And, <laughs> and I think kids shows make me happy because they always have happy endings. So I like things that are, you know, positive. 
and really, you know, show kids having fun and our things, uh, especially because when I was a kid, I grew up in the middle of nowhere and I was lonely a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends. And so um, watching cartoons made me happy and it made me feel less alone. So I think that's what I want kids to feel when when they watch things that I write is that those characters are their friends too. Yeah, that that's nice. I watch a lot of cartoons with Tegan and stuff. Well, sit in mom's bedroom most of the day. <laughs> Especially during quarantine. A lot of TV watching going on right now. What are your guys' favorite cartoons? I, I, I'm always interested in knowing what people are watching these days. Tegan, why don't you answer first? Um, I have a favorite cartoon. My favorite cartoon, uh, it's called Miraculous, and I watch it all the time. I've watched all of the... Five or eight seasons, three times. That's amazing. I like Miraculous, too. That's a good show. I don't really watch a lot of cartoons, but if I had to pick a favorite, it'd probably be the superhero girls, because I like superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I kind of feel like you're just saying that to make me happy, but it does make me happy, so I'll take it. <laughs> She watches a lot of Riverdale too, so that's her her, her first well, love is Riverdale. It's not really a cartoon. It's not a cartoon. Well, I mean, it's based on a comic yeah. book, though. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> she watches Riverdale and Heartland. Yeah, Riverdale and Heartland. Tegan, do you have any questions? Um. Or do you forget them already? I think I forgot them. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> What's your favorite episode that you've done on Superhero Girls? Uh, my favorite episode, I really liked writing the Jessica Cruz episodes when we first meet Jessica Cruz, because I think she's a really cool character. She is awesome. And she has a hard time, you know, accepting herself as a superhero. And she has some confidence issues, which I think is really relatable and something that I certainly feel even even now, I sometimes struggle with some confidence issues. So that was a really great episode to write. I will say, let's see. Yeah, I think that's my favorite. Although I would say that Harley was my favorite character to write overall because she's funny. So I liked writing her a lot. Tegan's Gideon right now. That, that's her favorite character in DC is Harley Quinn. She dresses she's dressed as Harley <laughs> Quinn for, for Halloween, I think, four years in a row. And at one year for Comic-Con, she made a crossover costume of Harley Quinn and Batgirl, where she was Harley Quinn Batgirl. And, uh, I also did a oh, Harley awesome. Quinn vampire. Yeah, she had a Harley Quinn vampire last year, where she put on a Harley Quinn costume, made it all dirty, and put a vampire face on. Very cool. <laughs> um, have you ever wanted to voice act one of your episodes? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that makes me very nervous. Uh, one time, sometimes if the actors can't get to the recording on time because maybe they're somewhere else uh, shooting a movie or something. Um, I've had to do some of the temporary voices. And one time I had to do the voices for Frost and I <laughs> got so nervous I couldn't say the line. So I don't think I would be a very good voice actor. And then I had to hear myself back because they had to wait until she uh, was back from, I think she was in Canada or something shooting a movie. Uh, so I had to keep hearing myself every time we watched the different cuts of the short. And I, I hated that very much because I, you know, my voice doesn't sound like it does in my head when I hear it uh, in the recording. So that always makes me feel, it makes me feel 
uh, very weird and makes me very nervous. So I don't think I would be a very good voiceover actress. <laughs> Voice acting is hard. My wife and I did, um, we voice over some anime for a friend of ours who was producing a show last year and it was, it was difficult. We had to do multiple, multiple takes of everything. Cause it's not, we're not voice actors. Always, we just do podcasts, but the guy's like, Oh, I like your voice. Come voice this character for me. We're like, sure. It was a pain. <laughs> it was so much. And I'm, I do a lot of podcasts, but I don't like hearing my own voice, even though I record myself all day long, but I don't like hearing my own voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's very nerve wracking. It's it like, is. I think it's just like the cognitive dissonance of how it sounds in your head and then how it sounds through the speakers. And it just it makes you, it makes you feel not good about things. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's one of the most amazing things that voice over actresses and actors are able to hear themselves back and understand how to match it, even though it doesn't quite sound the same in your head. I'm always amazed when they're like, you know, especially if they're doing character work and they yeah. hear a voice and they're like, Oh yeah, I know exactly how to do that. I'm like, I can't even imagine how that was such an incredible skill. Oh, we had Rob Paulson on the voice of uh, uh, Pinky and Pinky in the Brain and Yakko. And that guy, man, he can just go into voices like no tomorrow. And he's just, well, first off, he's a super great, he's awesome to talk to because he's so positive. But he just goes in these voices like, like, like it's nothing. And I'm like, man, I can do my voice and I can do a bad version of my voice. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> I also do, you know, voices for my dogs because yes, yes. they need a red monologue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do a Mickey Mouse voice no for my kids. That's about it. And it's a, all I can say is, oh boy, and Mickey Mouse. But I've been saying it for 15 <laughs> years because I've got five kids. So, you know, it's been going along for a while. But um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I think Sadie has another question. What was what do you like normally think while you're making um, these shows and movies? Oh, I think don't mess up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of pressure because animation can be very expensive, but it's also the people who work in animation are the best people in the world, I think. So I've always had a lot of really positive experiences with the people that I get to work with. And I always, you know, especially on DC Superhero Girls, I always felt like I was doing good work and felt like I was supported, which is a very important thing when you're doing creative work um, is to feel like the people around you support your vision. Um, so that was really important. And that made me feel good. So I think you know, I I think about what would make me laugh a lot and what I would like in a story. I don't, I think sometimes I think about what other people will think of it, but usually I just try to make myself laugh. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm writing. I'd probably be very nervous. I'd be like, uh, don't mess up. There's a lot of kids watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've gotten more used to that, but I definitely early on felt that a lot. Yeah. Tegan, do you have a question? Why does it all start about Batgirl? Because Batgirl's awesome. <laughs> I think we, we wanted to show Batgirl going from being a regular human who didn't know that she had superpower to realizing that her superpower was her brain because when I was a kid, Batgirl was my favorite character because Batgirl, you know, she didn't have like super strength and she couldn't fly 
and I didn't have super strength and I couldn't fly, but I could use my brain to become a superhero, I thought. So I <laughs> I always thought that uh, Batgirl was really aspirational like that, um, you know, because she really creates herself into a superhero and takes on the identity on her own without without anything else happening to make her be a superhero. You know, she doesn't have to go to a different planet or, and, you know, be born <laughs> on an island of women. She can just uh, be a superhero, even though she is born a normal person. Yeah. She's, she's, she's one of my favorites, to be honest. I've always loved Batgirl ever since I first saw her on reruns of the old Batman show with Yvonne Craig playing her. Yeah. I've always thought she's, she was cool since then. Uh, why is Wonder Woman like so clueless about uh, the different um, like high school and stuff? Well, Wonder Woman grew, grew up on Themyscira, which didn't have a high school because uh, Wonder Woman was the only kid on Themyscira. So she is clueless about a lot of things when it starts out, but she learns pretty quickly. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny in the beginning. Um, why why do, does it like all start about Batgirl and then they like all come together? Like, how why why does it start with Batgirl and then all of a sudden then they team up? Is that right? Yeah, asking? yeah. They like, like they like find each other and it's like just as people. Yeah. Uh, well, because I think friends are really important. Friends and are I wanted really to important. show in DC superhero girls a lot of girls being friends because sometimes on cartoons you see girls being mean to each other a lot in their relationships instead of being good friends so I wanted to have a show where the girls were good friends and they supported each other and they could come together and fight bad guys uh, (laughs) and you know just help each other out and not have to be mean to each other that's awesome my girls wouldn't know nothing about being mean to each other would they they're always nice to each other. Always. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sisters are a fun bunch for sure. <laughs> Dad, you don't even know what brothers are. I don't. I, I grew up with just one sister who was six years older than me. So that's all I had. <laughs> so I'm looking at your- I grew your, up with three brothers. Yeah, you have three brothers and, and one sister. And three cats. Oh my goodness. And a fish that died and another fish that died and a lot of animals. I have three brothers as well. So I know all about brothers. <laughs> Well, Tegan and Sadie are – Sadie's right in the middle, and then Tegan's right below Sadie. There's one boy below Tegan in age-wise, and there's two boys above them in age-wise. And there's So there's a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old boy above them, and they are very much 14-year-old and 17-year-old boys when it comes to their sisters. <laughs> so I'm looking at your comic credits here, and you worked on a series that I thought was amazingly well done, which was the Looney Tunes crossover back in 2018. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. That, your, was that your first comic? That was actually, um, no, my first, because I had worked on Wonder Woman and Justice League before that. Okay, okay. Um, but the Looney Tunes uh, crossovers were super fun. I did a Catwoman one um, <laughs> with Catwoman and Sylvester and Tweeter. So that yeah. was a, a fun fun one to write. It was very much in the Looney Tunes style. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it really fit my cartooniness that I like. <laughs> When they announced those, I remember when they announced those, I was like, what are they doing? But then I started reading them. I'm like, these are all fantastic. (laughs) Every one of them. (laughs) I loved all those. Yeah. I think giving people the creative freedom to just kind of go wild on those was really had great results. 
It did. It it, it did. And I, I I was I saw that in your in your credits. I was like, oh, that's awesome because I those are great. So you worked on um the the newest one or coming out soon is Batman Overdrive, right? That's a it's a a kids that Batman actually, book. Yeah, that was released a couple of months ago. Oh, was it out? Is that, that now? Out now. Perfect. What's that one about? So that one is a middle grade book about Bruce Wayne, who is 15 and he's one month out from his 16th birthday. And he decides that for his 16th birthday, he wants to um, rebuild this car that his dad had kind of as a, a way to connect with his dad and also get a really cool sports car out of it. Nice. Um, so in his quest to, um, you know, rebuild and remake this car that his dad used to have that has been, you know, kind of this wreck in their, the Wayne car collection, which obviously the Waynes have a very awesome car collection, but <laughs> yes, they do. is really set on this one car that his dad had wrecked because it was the car that his dad had when he was 16. Um, so as Bruce starts uh, getting into this car and trying to fix it, he meets a new friend named Mateo Diaz, who, who works at the scrapyard and is helping him get the supplies for the car. And he also comes across uh, some mystery and criminal activity uh, that may be connected to a, a girl dressed as a cat. So they uh, start uh figuring out that there's this car theft ring that's going on in Gotham and Bruce kind of realizes that through the process of rebuilding this car that he doesn't just want to rebuild the car but he wants to make the car even more than it was before um and that car is going to become the Batmobile so it's an <laughs> origin story of the Batmobile, slightly an origin story of Batman, but really more the the you know a, a bit of a prequel to Batman and Bruce making the Batmobile, and additionally you know uncovering his sort of first detective mystery and gaining some new friends while he's at it, and you know letting up those walls that he's built up around himself after the death of his parents kind of start to come down and realizing that he can't just be this loner vigilante, but he does need some help and some friendship along the way to be the best he can for Gotham. Friendship is good. You know, DC or DC Warner Brothers have done doing really good on their middle readers that are coming out lately. There's so many of them coming out that are all fantastic. And I've actually read a few of them myself and they're really good. I, I'm glad to see these more yeah, of these kinds of books coming out. Yeah, they've done such a huge push into the sort of middle grade and YA space and, you know, just have some really incredible titles coming out and, you know, really centering on, you know, kind of the heart of a hero and and how that works. And and especially like with my Batman book and with some of the other books, this might be a kid's first kind of you know, foray into reading a comic book or a graphic novel about a superhero. You know, it's a, a, a big introduction for a lot of kids. And I think DC has done such a great job with that line. They have it. I'll, I'll be honest. I've been reading comic books since the mid eighties when I was about, you know, five, six, seven years old. When I first started reading, I learned to read from comic books, but a lot of the newer comic books are so dark that I, I find myself reading things that have happier endings. Like, YA books nowadays because I don't always want to read yeah. things about people getting <laughs> murdered and beat up all the time that are so yeah it's, <laughs> it's true there's definitely there was 
such a shift uh, towards making everything darker and darker and darker. And, you know, for a lot of us who love comic books, that's not what we loved about comic <laughs> books, you know, and, and, I, and I will, I will read those things and I can enjoy a yeah. little bit of darkness, but uh, you know, part of what is so appealing to a lot of people about comic books is that idea of good conquering over evil and, yeah. you know, seeing the hero have their moments. Um, so I think we're really capturing that in a lot of the DC middle grade, middle grade reader stuff. I, I agree completely. And in similarly in the DC superhero girl series, which I gotta tell you, I was so I was so excited when that, that started going out there because having daughters, you know, getting them into reading comics, which is, you know, always the goal of a nerdy dad who wants, who likes comic books is to get their kids to read comics, having something that not just necessarily that's just all about girls, but something that's written for girls versus not that girls, you know, can't enjoy, uh, you know, comic books that are, you know, focused towards boys, but something that's written more towards the younger kids that they can get into like the DC superhero girls. Cause when that came out, you know, the girls just flocked to it. They flocked to the toys. They flocked to the dolls. They loved, you know, the show when they first saw it and they watched it again before we talked to you and they've, you know, we bought them the, the, you know, the graphic novels at Comic-Con in uh, Seattle when they, when it was here, cause we saw them there and then we'd read, read through them. And it was just really cool to see them get excited for, for, for the same stuff that I love and loved growing up. And it's, it's, I love the fact that we now have in, unlike when I was a kid, you know, there was really, you had comic books, which were like, you know, the older teen adult stuff and stuff that I like to read. And then if there anything below that was like, uh, baby book like a, a superman book where it's like a, a for a young young kid and it's nothing even remotely mm-hmm. similar to it or whatever it's cool that we now have things that are targeted to different kid styles and, and different you know types of kids i think it, it's super important for me as a parent of you know five kids who i'm trying to make them as nerdy as possible um that they have a way into this world that they will that they all enjoy and it's awesome that you've you yeah, know, absolutely. developed this it was, you know, very intentionally, <laughs> we wanted to show girls represented in comics and as heroes, you know, still too often when you look at sort of some of the mainstream comics, you know, the girls are the girlfriend or the wife or a secondary character. Um, and we really wanted to make these girls the lead of their series. And, you know, obviously boys can enjoy them too. So, you know, for for many decades, girls have been expected to enjoy books with boys as the lead. And now we're realizing that, hey, <laughs> it can go the other way as well. You can go both ways. Young uh, boys don't so care. I, yeah, I don't want to say they're for girls only, but they, it was, you know, specifically putting female protagonists out there. And all people can enjoy them. I think, um, it's, I think it's fair to say they're targeted for young really, girls, but they work for anybody, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Just like how a lot of the old, no, a lot of comics, are ta- a lot of the older comics were targeted for the, a boy audience, but anybody can enjoy them. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just, you know, such an incredible thing to see the response. And like, as you're saying, like people at Comic-Con and just girls flocking to these books <laughs> and like those moments where, you know, I would have my table at Comic-Cons and, you know, some kid would come and buy a book and then they would literally just sit down and start reading it nope. like in the middle of the aisle. <laughs> and, you know, it's like that, that's always when I was just trying to control my tears because <laughs> it is such a, you know, an amazing thing to be able to share that with a kid and, you know, just really be able to kind of, you know, touch people in a way mm-hmm. that, 
not a lot of people get to do. And which is also why I love doing things like this, especially with Tegan and Sadie, (laughs) (laughs) because writing can be a pretty lonely sort of job. And you think, you know, is anybody going to read this? Is anybody paying attention? And then you know, you talk to, you talk to kids and they have great questions and they are really paying attention. So that always just means so much to me. That is awesome. Have you got, have you been at, um, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle selling books before at other tables? Yes, I was there four years ago. I've only been there once, but yeah, I was there once. Cause I'm pretty sure we either from you or from somebody else's work on this. Cause we bought, we bought some of these books at Emerald City from, Somebody, I, I can't, they're, and they're signed, but they're all, we're, we're in the process of moving, so they're all packed up right now. But we, the girls bought uh, a couple of these books from somebody at Emerald City Comic Con. I don't know if it was from you or from somebody else who worked on them, but we have about four or five of them, or I don't know how many, a couple of them they bought, and they're, they've read them all. And, you know, is it, I was just curious if it was you or not, but I don't, I don't remember because I, it was a, my wife took them there for that day. Oh, we lost audio. Are you back? Can we hear you now? I can hear you now. There we go. I can hear you. (laughs) 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 Oh, fun times in the internet Uh, world. The last I heard was that you had bought some of the books, and that might have been from me. It also might have been from Agnes. Um, If you were there, you're that Agnes Garbasco was there because she is the artist on some of the books, so she might have been selling them as well. I so I know I know Agnes. I was I have bought I have bought books from her. Uh, but this was it's probably would have been from you then because it was from, it was not from Agnes and I because because I've I've talked to her a couple times, which is cool. Okay, then it was probably me. There we go. Nice to see you again, <laughs> right? To nice again. to talk again. <laughs> oh, we're old, we're, now we're old friends. Two two interactions. That was like my first uh, Comic Con where I had stuff to sell, so that was it was such an exciting Comic Con for me. <laughs> it was it was uh, really like I felt so new, <laughs> so. <laughs> like naive and, and innocent. <laughs> well, I hope Seattle was a warming experience for you because Seattle loves their, their artist alley and their, and their, their creators. Oh, it was a great Comic-Con and it was really fun too. It really was like that first time that I, you know, you gave a book to someone and then you <laughs> saw them open it up and put their eyes light up. And it was like, there was, you know, it, that's why you do it. Exactly. Tegan, you have a question? Um, I don't really have a question. Um, when we went to Comic-Con in Seattle, um, a few times we went there, you sold some of your comic books there. Me? Yeah. I did sell some of my comic books there, too. <laughs> my girl's always promoting my work for me for some reason. <laughs> well, because you're really good. <laughs> Thank you. We love your art. <laughs> They're your PR. They are my PR team. What kind of comics do you uh, do? I, so I do horror comics, um, like supernatural horror comics is what I work on. (laughs) Um, I, but I, I used to do comedy or humor comics a long time ago. So they're all just like adult themed, adult themed as in like a PG 13 R rated movie type themed, adult adult themed comics. We're just all humor based. They're really just like me making fun of my friends because I started them in college. So that's what you do in college. Apparently is make fun of your friends. (laughs) <laughs> um, but then, sure. then I, I, I shifted, I did, I did a kid series for a little while because I had kids. So I did a, I did a little series about, um, talking animals, you know, puppies and cats. Um, <laughs> but my most, my most recent one is, um, uh, just about, it's called the Ions anthology and it's a, it's a horror supernatural series about a family that, you know, fights monsters. When, uh, uh, when, one time when me and my dad and Sadie 
um, he wrote a comic book about all three of us. He did. It was about, I, I got invisible, I think. It was, yeah. Oh, that's right. So yeah, the girls actually chapter, wrote a comic book so. for uh, an anthology called Trial Run. So they wrote a comic, um, a six page comic, and then I, I uh, illustrated it for them. And it was published in a, a, a an anthology series a couple years ago. Awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Already going. Yeah, they're going. They're going. They're going. They love it. They, they want to, they've written some notes to continue that little series out. But yeah, they've, they were, uh, they were All excited. All I remember is tea or coffee. Yes. It, it was, was a tea yeah. that turned. <laughs> well, tea, I think Tegan was like six or seven years old when we worked on that. So it's a little, you know, who's young. Yeah. It was about like Tegan turning invisible and we go to separate ta- places. Like she's like in a town and I'm in the city because. Because that's the places we picked. And then um, a character named John that's in all of the stories uh, is with Tegan and can see her and finds her. And his job is to basically bring her back to me. And I can see her too. So Yeah, they have to reunite. They have to find find each other and reunite each other was the whole story. Which was cool. That sounds great. It was cute. It was cute. Well, Shay, I uh, appreciate you coming on so much and allowing my my daughters to join us today and, and chat with you about your career and about superhero girls and all the questions we had. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. Absolutely. This was so much fun. I'm so glad that uh, Sadie and Tegan got to be a part of it. Me too. They were super nervous, but I think they did a good job. They did really good. <laughs> you guys were great interviewers. <laughs> you should do more of it. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for your time and you have a great day. Thank you for interviewing us. You too. Have a good Wait, one. Wait, you're in, us here interviewing you. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Thank you for interviewing me. I appreciated it. And I appreciated all your comments and compliments. I, it's really fun to talk to you guys. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Bye. I still love about that one. Since John is laughing, and we're back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, you took it from me. <laughs> oh man, so the jaws of defeat. Right, right. What'd you think? It's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, Shay was great to talk to. She had some really good answers to the questions, and and uh, the girls who were super nervous, if you couldn't tell, they came out of that out of that going, "Oh my god, that was so much fun! I want to do it again." Yeah, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Yeah, and if you haven't read the DC Superhero Girls or it's in the cartoon, they're they're really good. They're a lot. They're a lot of fun. Uh, they're definitely aimed for kids. Uh, yeah, but they're they're enjoyable for anybody who likes you know the DC superhero universe. They, they do a lot of good stuff there. Are they similar to Teen Titans Go? No, no. Okay, it's uh, it's it's not as ridiculous, Kitty. Right. You know? It's more uh, it's more female centric characters, right? Obviously. Yeah. Um, and they and they gender they gender swap them characters too to make them fit in. Uh, to the, the, the universe they have, but they do. I mean, it does a good job of telling the stories and then, you know, even like the bad guys aren't necessarily always bad. You know, like Harley Quinn's a, a, a good girl at the school, well, a good, bad girl at the school. And right. it's, they do a good job of, of capturing well, the, you, the books are fun. Uh, the cartoons, a lot of fun. I, I enjoy them. So they're what they're targeting the seven to 11, seven to 10. Yeah. Uh, probably. You're probably like the seven to 12 age range somewhere in there. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're enjoyable. For my, both my daughter, well, that's you. My daughters are both in that range, so they yeah. both love it. Yeah. Um, but I like it. Jack likes it. You know, I'm um, Jacob, who's 14. He uh, he won't say he likes the DC superhero girls, but he won't not watch it if it's on. He'll he'll still watch it. <laughs> so yeah, Ella likes it too. So it it makes yeah. sense. I just it's funny because you can't. I mean, you can have Harley Quinn on it, but you can't have Harley Quinn 
on it. Right. You know, right. You I don't have. I don't even think that it would be appropriate to do the Batman animated series Harley Quinn. Not, not, yeah, you'd have, you have to tone her way down. <laughs> yeah, she's too violent. Yeah. Well, she's real hella violent. Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, but they, I mean, they make it work, you know, because they, they, they tone it down to, to make it more what do you, user friendly, I guess. What do you think of the gender swapping? And I mean, that's kind of a loaded question, but what do you think of it when yeah. they, um, because I, I guess for this scenario, I guess it's really not a big deal ever, really. Yeah, there's only certain characters I that I can't see you gender swapping, like I can't see Harley Quinn being gender swapped. Right. I don't know how it would work. I mean, maybe it would work. I just, you know, I mean, maybe I don't. Know. I don't care. I really, honestly, for, yeah. for movies or shows or even comic books, I really don't care. Just tell me a good story and keep the spirit of the character there. And if you're changing the spirit of the character, then you're changing a lot. That's fine. Um, you know, to tell, make a new character. But I don't really care if you make changes as long as you're doing it in the heart of. Okay, this is the character, but I mean, if you're doing an Elseworlds like you know Batman, White Knight, or whatever, um, yeah, where it changes a lot of things, but you're keeping like some some core elements. Again, I don't really care. Just tell a good story. Yeah. What about uh, like Teen Titans Go? I just figured this is a is a good kind of a good segue, and I, I know it's going to run us a little long, but what do you think about <laughs> Teen Titans Go and that vein? Because if you remember, a few years ago they did a sneak peek of Thundercats, which was going to be very similar. To Teen Titans Go, and people freaked out, and they pulled it. They aired it. They didn't air that TV show, did they? Thundercats Roar. Yeah, they did. Oh well, it didn't last very long. It aired. It actually it, it aired uh, this year in fe- from February. It did, it's like twenty some episodes, twenty eight episodes. Wow. Let's see. There you go. I'm. T- I totally missed that. I thought they pulled it. What? Well, it was from. It, it aired in February of this year. Yeah. So it got, it got delayed a little bit. Um. I don't. I don't mind. Like Thundercats Roar, I haven't watched it, uh, so I don't know. But yeah. I'm assuming it's the same vein of like Steven Universe and Teen Titans Go. Yeah. Um. I don't. I actually don't mind Teen Titans Go. I, I hated it at first. Like, oh, this is so dumb. This is a Teen Titans. And Cody and I were like, my eldest son was like, oh, this is dumb. But then I watched it with like Jacob and Sadie, and while it's ridiculous and stupid, they they do keep a lot of the spirit of like the the absolute core of what the characters are, and that but that's it. Besides that, they're all different. Um. And it's funny. It's, it's ridiculous. Like the, the the pancake songs always gets me. That they have on that show, and <laughs> to me, it's, uh, the movie. I, I enjoyed the movie, so I don't. I don't mind. It's just it's a, just a different take on the character. It's just not for everybody. Uh, it's definitely dumbed down and, and ridiculously stupid on purpose. And I kind of enjoyed it. To me, it's like it's not. I'm not their target audience. Right, you're not. You're you know, not. so it's like it's. I think it's <laughs> funny when you meet somebody in there, you know, that are adult that has been reading these books or into these characters for a long time are like Thundercats. Yeah, you know, when I first saw that thing for Thundercats, I was the same way. I was like, oh, how you do this, blah blah blah. And then I, and then about a day later, I started thinking about. It. I'm like, why am I? Why do I care? <laughs> I'm not going to sit and watch it. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, not for meant you. for me. What's the big deal? You know. Yeah. And if it introduces. A young kid to something new, like Teen Titans Go. If it introduces them to Teen Titans, which then go, then when they're older, they're a little older and they're reading. They're like, "Oh wow, there's these comic books," and they start reading the comic books, which gets them into more things. How is that a bad thing? It's not a bad thing, and it's why that's why that's why I don't get upset about those things. Because if it's not for me, it's not for me. It's gonna get somebody's gonna love it, and someone's gonna get turned on to the the you know the older stuff or the other yeah. stuff that's coming out. And that's fine. I mean, make all the different versions you want. It's, I mean, to kind of like flip this all around for the current world of what we're doing on Spoilerverse and some of our other people on the show, uh, on the shows we have, 
it's like the Snyderverse, right? May not be for me, may not be for most people or yeah. a lot of people, yeah. And, but it may be for a lot of people, right? Some people love the Snyderverse, love those characters, and it may give them an a- an access door into the DC universe, which is great. Yeah. Even if I don't agree with some things so in they it, they can realize how wrong it, they are. are. <laughs> right? Exactly. No, I'm kidding. Realize I'm how kidding. good they really are. Yeah. I personally, I like the Snyder movies, so I'm a bad yeah. example of that. So. Um, well, you like him for different reasons, and you don't sit there and hold them up to be the quintessential no, of things. You, hold, no. you, you understand that they are what they are, you know? I just have fun with them. I think they're just, I just think yeah. they're a lot of fun. And I don't, I don't hate them. I just don't love them. <laughs> I think you're getting annoyed with the, the passion that people are having for them because they're, they're being over the top with their feelings yeah. about them. Which, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but that's fine. I get. So, well, there you go. I think that is a show. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. You enjoyed listening to Shay talk about uh, all her times and antics with the DC superhero girls. And I hope I said that right. You did. Oh, good. And everything else that she has going on. uh, Let us know what you guys thought. And if you do enjoy that and you want to hear more in the same type of vein, go to spoilerverse.com. Check out all our back issues. Uh, There's a lot to offer a lot of people to, to listen to and just a lot of other shows from other podcasts all over that thing. Yeah. Other podcasts like the super awesome, awesome. Ugh. It's hard to say their name. Super awesome sisters podcast, which is up there. And, and if you want more of the, those two girls talking and of them editing and stuff, uh, go ahead and tweet at them at super awesome sis and tell them that, to, to, tell them to you know, put out more episodes because they need to get on their butts and edit some more. And then also while you're at the website, read all of our articles and our reviews, leave some comments. We love comments and previews of upcoming stuff coming out and click on that store link go to the store pick up a t-shirt pick up a, a hoodie or whatever you know you'll look really cool and uh all the all the ki- all the cool cats love you because you'll be awesome all and you'll cool help us out you us a dollar and two or dollar or two and a couple people on here yep when you wear a spoiler verse or a spoiler country sweatshirt and you're in a in a in a sock hop and you see that jukebox you can hit it just like the fonts and it'll start playing whatever Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's in the fabric, we promise. Yeah. Yeah. No money back. Guaranteed. No money back. It's a no money back guarantee. It's a no money back guarantee. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) In an ocean's of podcasts, we are going to do what compelled you to do. Open the mind. And, uh, you know, read more. Because you should be reading. Read all the time. Read all the time. All right, guys. We're out.